We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRungood.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I'll be referencing on this podcast can be found over at RickRungood.com. Now is an incredible time to sign up. U.S. Open right around the corner. Going to start diving into LACC later this weekend. Uh, and there will be a ton of exclusive premium content on the site as well not to mention updated model generator ownership projections premium slack channel where you can reach me for questions and so much more so head on over to rickrungood.com promo code andy that is the important part if you want to help me out and we would love to have you as part of the team all right coming up on this podcast Patrick McDonald, my good buddy over at CBS Sports and the First Cut podcast, we zoom out a little bit and talk about some lingering thoughts from the PGA Championship, look ahead to the U.S. Open, and of course, break down the memorial, share our picks, and much more. This is a, this is a good one. So without further ado, let's bring on Patrick. All right, Patrick McDonald is here, CBS Sports, First Cut podcast. I don't think we've done this since December when we talked about some storylines heading into the new year. I can't remember if it was me or you or probably both, but one of the things we were definitely monitoring was live players in majors. And uh, now as we sit a week or two removed from the PGA. I didn't really get, I haven't really gotten to talk to you much about or hear any of your takes. How, how did you feel about Oak Hill and the entire week? Uh, Andy, first, thanks for uh, having me on. I didn't think I'd ever come back on this podcast <laughs> after said storylines. I, I think you were the one who uh, hinted live players might do well at major championships. So I'll give you that one. <laughs> 10 days out from Oak Hill PGA championship. I, you know, you're the golf course guy. You definitely are. You mm -hmm. know much more about the architecture side of it, much more than me. I wasn't super like enthralled with the course. I thought the renovations that Andrew Green did uh, in the restoration process was great. I have to. He's a, a fellow Virginia Tech Hokie like mm -hmm. myself. But it felt like off the tee, it was a bit of a crapshoot. I'm a sucker for tight runoffs like Southern Hill. I thought was yeah. terrific. Well, you're going to uh, love LICC. 
but it was a great test, no doubt. I mean, Brooks was definitely the final 54 holes, the best player by far. So, yeah, I mean, if it's back in the rotation or whatever, sure. If not, sure. No, like, real lasting impressions for me. I thought the the drivable par four, what was that, 14, maybe? Not a fan. Yeah. No, like, blast in the bunkers and then get up and down. I'm just so surprised. I thought more people were going to lay up on that hole, and no one did. <laughs> I think Hovland every- did once. Yeah, Ho- that's true. Hovland might have once, but everybody, every the the only strategy on that hole, which w- was just blasted in the front bunkers, maybe a couple people hit the green, and then you know try and get up and down from the bunkers, and at a certain point, it's like, what are we? What's the difference between a long par three and a drivable par four? At that point, if everyone's doing the exact same thing off the tee, they're supposed to be a bit more of a decision-making process and it didn't seem like anyone really was doing the three, four iron thing and then wedge. Where are you at on the whole Brooks Kepka as a force to be reckoned with going forward in majors? Have you always been a big Brooks guy or or were you kind of like many where you you may have underestimated him a little bit heading into the week? I've gone super back and forth on him. I yeah. wrote after the Masters that, you know, it wasn't necessarily a knee-jerk reaction. It was, I think, the final round performances are concerning. Mm-hmm. And I think he would even admit that. He kind of did to a point. He said, he did, if, yeah. If, if that didn't happen at the Masters, I wouldn't win this week. Because, I mean, he got slow played by Phil at Kiowa. The slope mm-hmm. play clearly affected him at Augusta National. Definitely. And then you saw him Sunday at Oak Hill. He was walking like a snail from shot to shot. He was marking every like tap in putt pretty much just so he wouldn't have to wait between the shots. So his secret sauce that he's not going to tell anyone. I assume it has something to do with that. And then on our podcast, I like jokingly do fraud rankings every now and again, kind of just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. I- I'm sarcastic like 80% of the time. If I had to explain my humor, we'd be here for weeks. And <laughs> someone snipped, per- like expert snipping. And it was like me. Yeah, Brooks Kepka is definitely a fraud. <laughs> and he's like, I sent this to the Kepka family. He's using this as bulletin board material. So alternate storyline. CBS Sports writer propels Brooks Kepka. To fifth major, but I'm it, it's he makes it look very easy, like he yeah. did. It, it's it's very impressive. I think the PGA Championship, the setups have been great for him. The same go for the U.S. Open as well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just that you get to eight under, you're in a really good spot. Like that mm-hmm. is perfect for Brooks Kepka. If I gave you over under seven point five majors. That he finishes his career with? Are you going over or under? Damn, it's I'll definitely go. the light. The it's definitely the right line because I've thought about this a lot, and I think you could make a compelling case for either. I think I would go under. I think I would too, but you think about it, and it's like he's thirty three. I would say, unless you get a crazy situation like Phil, who most people are now completely thrown off his scent 
by the fact that he had that crazy week at Kiowa. Like Phil also fell off a cliff at like 40, 45. Um, he was actually like really good in his early 40s, which is very abnormal for guys. Like you, you start to see it with a lot of guys. We monitor the DJ situation because he's getting to 40 now, too. But let's say conservatively, even a guy that has way more of an injury history and the back stuff can get way worse once you get a little bit older. Let's still conservatively say that he's got eight more prime years left, right? Because if you think about his current, you know, his current game plan, he's really in a situation where all he has to do is peak for four weeks of the year. I mean, if you thought the PGA tour schedule that he was taken on was light, I mean, he, these are now 54 holes. There's a lot of travel involved, which people I think underestimate when they compare the PGA tour former schedule that Brooks had or the potential schedule that a lot of the elite players can have versus what live is. But I would say that an average live event probably takes way more, way less out of Brooks than an average, than if his schedule every year was like the four majors plus Muirfield Village, Torrey Pines, Riviera. Like, wouldn't you say there's not a golf course on live that is as that is, I don't think the tournaments are as emotionally taxing. Um, and I don't think that any of the golf courses are as hard of as those top tier of PGA tour courses like Muirfield Village, TBC Sawgrass, Riviera, Torrey Pines, Bay Hill. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Phil even tweeted that lives perfect for peaking for the major championship, which I didn't think was a bad take. No, I don't either, but he kind of also admitted it's just like practice the whole time for the four major championships. Right, which was so odd that Liv was victory lapping it because you have one of your biggest stars that you gave over $100 million to basically admitting that the actual golf on Liv is meaningless. Like if the take is there are really good players that are going to contend in major championships on Liv, I'm with you. Like I've actually been with you the whole time. But if the take is the because Brooks won the PGA, then the golf on the Live Tour is meaningful. That no, <laughs> you've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's something to look into the next two majors as well with their schedule because after this past event in DC, they're they're done until the U.S. Open, and they're also not playing leading up to the Open as well because with their schedule, they're not playing against national opens so yeah. they're not playing against the canadian open they're not playing against the scottish open and brooks has always been this guy to peak on the second week he always loves to play the week before a big event yeah kind of get his feet underneath him and he, he's not going to have that opportunity the next two major championships which uh i think will be very interesting to see i mean he's still gonna be major brooks presumably but it could be something to look out for and the counterpoint to what I just said is, isn't their next one at Valderrama? That's probably the hardest golf course on the live tour. The most, yeah. I mean, that is like a very weird, quirky golf course where it's super tree. It's like a harder Harbor town. It's like Oak Hill in 2013. 
it's literally nothing like LACC. Like it's the polar opposite of LACC, except maybe the final score will be similar, but the way that you get to that final score is through a completely different strategy. It's actually like a good, it's a good like Marco Simone comp, honestly, Valderrama. So uh, maybe the counterpoint is Valderrama before the US Open or is it before the British? Uh, Before the British. I think they have like London in there again. Uh, Valderrama, but I mean, they're done until the U S open. Yeah. So going back to what I was just to, just to put a bow on Brooks, if we say he's got eight prime years left and there's four major championships a year, you know, can he win three of the next 32, which is, I mean, that's kind of the rate that he's at, at his career. He's won, I think like 10% of the majors that he's played in. And given himself chances in the sense that he's top 10 in over 50% of them. So that's why I think 7.5 is probably a good line. Just in a vacuum, do you think he's better at golf right now? Do you think Brooks is better at golf? Or maybe the way to ask this question is, who should be the favorite at the U.S. Open? Are you putting Brooks ahead of Scheffler and Rom right now? Oh. For the U.S. Open. Forget like, like course fit, just like in terms of like, forget like potential betting action, just like in terms of like, who is the guy rolling into LACC? Is it Rom, Scheffler, or Brooks? I honestly don't know how it's not Scotty Scheffler. Interesting. Personally. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, statistically, the case is the strongest for Scotty. He's just there all the time like he's there it is i will say he's had three saturdays in a row bad byron nelson he shot like even there kind of shot himself out of the tournament uh there at oak hill and then again last week too at a colonial so that's super small sample size it's me just looking way too deep into it but kind of uh maybe a bit of a concern along with the putter obviously but it's just like scheffler's floor is so high right now it's ridiculous i don't think he hasn't finished outside the top 12 all year he's been the best iron player in the world and the best driver of the ball in the world over the past year i don't know how many times that's ever i mean the ball striking stuff right now and we don't have strokes gained from like the early tiger years but scheffler's doing things that tiger's never done which is really interesting when you put in context the fact that he has only two wins this season now one of them was one of the five biggest tournaments of the year but it didn't have the live guys and it was funny because he actually won that tournament too without even putting well he's 112th in putting yeah so yeah so do you think scheffler has underachieved this year unequivocally I mean, yeah. you put those ball striking numbers with being a tour average putter, and there's at least an extra win in there. I mean, even last week, last week he wins the tournament as a neutral putter by five strokes. Yeah. So y- you at least think there's maybe two or three wins, extra wins in there. I actually still think that if we're talking like the title belt, I and maybe this is controversial now. I'm still giving it to Rom right now, just because Rom 
Rom won the Masters, which is still the biggest golf tournament in the world, and I think the and I think the Masters overshadows the players, and I think that Rom also has four other wins this season, and Scheffler has the Waste Management, which is another big win. If I'm going top five right now, best players in the world, who's got the belt? I'm going Rom one, Scheffler two. Brooks three, Rory four, Cantlay five. How would you fill out? How would you fill out? Are you okay? How would you fill out two through five? Two through. So we do something power 18 at CBS sports because we, we needed to get into the rankings game. Everyone was beating us to the punch. It's good um, podcasting. You know, so, <laughs> people like it. What can you say? <laughs> so be, beginning of May, I had Rom Scheffler. I had Brooks at three, actually. So beginning. I, I like, wait, you had Brooks at three pre PGA. Pre PGA. Oh, you are not a hater at all. And, th- and then I sarcastically a- called him a fraud, and now I'm a hater. Um, <laughs> Can't win. I, they they chose this life for me, but I, I'm gonna go right now. Scheffler, Rom, Brooks, Cantlay, Xander. I'm Rory. I'm. Scheffler, Rom, Books, Cantlay, Xander. Okay, that's so Rory's not in your top five. I'm out on Rory right now. He has like no identity. He has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) Major championship week. He like he kind of comes into Oak Hill with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I'm like, hell yeah, Rory. Like, let's get a little fuck you attitude. Walk around with the presence. Don't be shaking hands and kissing babies this week. Eyes on the prize. And then it's just like, oh my God, 10 holes into this thing. He's not even like no shot. Like he's going to do the Rory thing all over again where he comes back. Yeah. You know, tickles you a little bit, but you're not, you're not getting any action. I would say that I cannot put Cantlay or Xander ahead of him still until, I mean, Rory seriously, like if we just talk about, forget all the shit that Rory says in press conferences. And we just talk about like the actual on the golf course stuff with Rory. And I really think what is, I've talked to Joseph Almania about this extensively, but I really think what is holding Rory back is not his mental game is not anything that he says in press conferences is not his mindset is not his talent. I think that it's his shot selection. Is I think that his shot selection is really, really poor, especially when you juxtaposition it with somebody like Brooks, who is probably the most disciplined golfer that I've watched since Tiger and is so good at knowing how to choose and play the right shots at these major championships, which brings me back to the take of... If you had to, well, let me kick it to you first and then I'll give you my answer. If you have to fire one person in Rory's camp, you can only fire one. This is just, this is, you know, this is why, this is why I get paid the big podcast bucks. Are you firing his swing coach, his caddy or his mental coach? All right. So his, uh, he, he flew in the guy to Augusta. Who's the mental guy again? Oh, Rotella Um, gang. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with his work? He's written some phenomenal books. I'll send them to you. Okay. Um, 
the ease there's a very easy answer there there's um, a right answer here yeah which is probably the easy answer too but um i mean it it's got to be harry right it's got to be it's got to <laughs> be harry it's it, what more of a sample size do you need you know what nine years zero majors he just needs somebody to tell him when he's lined up when the game plan is let's hit like a wipey seven yard cut with a wedge to a sucker pin on the second hole after you just have a kick in birdie on one to get within five and you're starting to make a charge and you you know you just need somebody that's there that's like no no but like play 15 feet left and take your chances with your putter. And I think that's the thing that Rory doesn't understand a lot of the time is that playing conservatively with how talented he is and how good of a ball striker is, if he picks conservative targets, he is still going to have a ton of opportunities per round just based on his ball striking alone. And if he rolls in one or two 15 footers, which was the strategy that Brooks took all week at Oak Hill, which is honestly the strategy that Hovland took all week at Oak Hill, you're going to put yourself in a way better position to win this tournament. And I just think that he needs somebody that, and like you can just, you can know and tell that there's certain guys where it's just like Scheffler, you know, maybe we, call Ted Scott responsible for Scheffler becoming maybe the slowest player on tour, but he also made Scheffler such a smarter golfer, which is, I mean, it's just so evident when you watch the risks that Scheffler takes and how he understands how to play championship golf now. And I just, I think it's, I I don't know why I, I, I don't know what he has to lose. I agree. Um, poor Harry. I, I'm, it's just he he's is like a great guy. I mean, I they're obviously close friends, but if I was on the PGA tour, I wouldn't and I think have that a the, well, I think the you know, I think it's subjective. I think that it can go either way. I think that, you know, you look at like the the Gino and Joel Damon dynamic, but not to, you know, rip off a succession quote here, but Joel Damon's not a serious player. <laughs> Rory, Rory's like Rory is like the 10th or 11th most talented golfer that's ever lived. And his career is barely a top. He's underachieved more than anyone uh, in the last 20, 25 years that I can think of. So I, I just don't understand why. And he approaches everything else in his life from a golf standpoint, incredibly seriously he's in better he's in better shape physically than Scheffler and Rom. He's ripped. He eats really well. He picks a smart schedule, right? So I don't that is to me the missing piece is it's the shot selection thing. But I again, think the whole whole other I, podcast. I think the comp would be Joe Griner to Max Homa, where Joe doesn't have an issue telling Max to like fuck off and do something else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you see it all the time with these guys. Also, it's like a, it's just like a change of scenery thing too. Like how many times have we seen in the NFL or the NBA 
where you you get a guy in a new environment and he's just something else clicks. There's just a change of scenery bump. We see it in sports all the time. And the golf equivalent of that happens all the time with these guys. Literally, Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim. I mean, all these guys are changing caddies now. Cantlay kind of remains to be seen. Cantlay changed too. So, I mean, there's all these all these scenarios where uh, Cameron Young as well, Paul Tesori, uh, that hasn't really come to fruition yet. But it's like just the idea of getting somebody new in there, I think could be at the bare minimum beneficial to him. I don't want to say the missing piece because maybe it is a little bit more complicated than that. Like there is something off with his golf game right now too. Um, and like I said, he took the same game into Oak Hill that he had at Quail Hollow, TPC Sawgrass and the Masters. Like there's something he does not know where the golf ball is going off the tee. That's why if you wanted to be Mr. Positive, you could say that, you know, Rory lost to six guys with a C minus game. Um, but if you're telling me, if we're going back to the initial question I asked you, the first guy that I'm changing is the caddy. Yeah. I mean, it's a no doubter. It's a shoe and it's, it's gotta be Harry if, if it's someone, but at this point he's what? 34. 33. Gotta, I think. Yeah. Same age as Brooks. Kind of got to exhaust all resources at this point in your career. Who do you think? Ha- I think Rory is probably who's a better bet to play elite golf in their forties, Brooks or Rory. I mean, has Rory gotten hurt outside the kickabout for Andrews and Atlanta Athletic Club? That PGA he hurt his wrist. Oh, I think those. Were, yeah, I think those are the only two. No, he's he's had a pretty good, pretty clean bill of health in his career. Yeah, just, just honestly, just because of health wise, I think Rory has a better chance to play higher quality golf for a longer time. Okay, so last question about kind of big picture stuff, and then we'll get into Memorial. So you had Cantlay and Xander four and five. I think Cantlay and Xander, even though they both finished top twenty at the PGA, just pissed a lot of people off. Maybe just in the gambling community. But I think even in mainstream, like I think a lot of mainstream people were also like, this is time for Cantlay. This is time for Xander. Great course fit. You know, both have had tremendous, you know, great ton of success on Bankgrass in the Northeast. They were top of everyone's models. They were getting picked by a lot of people. And w- even though they both finished top 20, I think a lot of people were like, yo, fuck those guys. Like, <laughs> I'm just out on those guys. Like I've literally heard multiple people that bat Xander or Cantlay at the PGA. Like, yo, I'm done. I'm done with those yeah. fuckers. Where are you at in maybe Finau too? I think there's a lot of Finau backlash coming off the PGA, but where are you at in terms of like, are you, are you, could you see yourself picking Xander or Cantlay or Finau? Uh, as your winner, or maybe anyone outside of the big three, as as your LACC pick, anyone outside the top three, uh, I could kind of see. I haven't done a lot of LACC 
uh, deep dive. I, I know mm-hmm. you have have the goodies. Does it set up well for Cam Smith? Yeah. How tight is it off the tee? It's kind of like Memorial in the sense that the fairways are wide, mm-hmm. but the penalty for missing them, you can get yourself in a ton of deep shit, which is very different from Oak Hill, which is why I have major concerns about Rory at LACC unless he figures out the driver thing. But Cam Smith does spray it. But if it's like a Cam Smith spraying it a little bit weak, he's going to be in the fairway and have tons and tons of opportunity. If it's Cam Smith spraying it a lot weak, then he's going to be in tons and tons of shit. But like okay. he won it, he won at TPC Sawgrass losing five strokes off the tee. So, yeah. you know, if you just get him, it's, it is a creative golf course, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're thinking like the creativity that he got to employ at St. Andrews with all the humps and hollows and firmness, like there's a lot of that there in LACC. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah. So I'd throw Cam Smith in there, but it's like, dude, fucking can't lay, man. He's like the perfect golfer on paper. And then going into it, we'll have, oh, he's had three top 15 finishes and majors in a row after such a slow start. The dude hasn't hit a meaningful shot in a major championship since the 2019 Masters when he made two straight bogeys after he made an eagle. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of tough, tough to swallow. Xander, I'm not as concerned about. I know I've can't lay over Xander in these uh highly touted power rankings we just have. Yeah. But major championship wise, I- I'd probably lean more towards Xander, but it's tough to kind of have a ton of faith in them when you see Scheffler, Rom, and Kepka, those guys who have done it time and time again, as opposed to these fucking, I'm not going to say frauds or clowns, but adjacent at this point, it it seems like. Just put up or shut up time, I think, with them in the majors. I would say 
especially. Although, you know, it's crazy too with Xander. Like Xander is statistically having the best season of his career. Like if you look at true strokes gained over the last year, it's Rom, Scheffler, Rory, Xander four, Cantlay five. Um, like Xander has been entrenched in the top eight in the world for three or four years now. And this year he's actually raised his statistical baseline and has become more consistent. And I think I trust him like as little as I ever have to like be the guy on the U S open program next year. Like just like envisioning him holding a trophy at a major championship. Like it's the most like data boy thing to be like, it's just a matter of time. Like if you look at the numbers, it is so glaringly obvious that Xander is incredibly close, closer than any other golfer without a major can't lay is right there with them. They're one a and one B to being the next in line to win a major. And yet there's something about him that I just don't trust right now. It's almost like shit luck too. Cause if he had this season, I don't know. I mean, you look at Colin Morikawa's 2021 season, mm-hmm. uh, a WGC, the Open, and the DP World Tour Championship. He's like, strokes gained-wise, he's having a better season this year compared oh, to yeah. that one. Um, so it, it's really just shit luck that Rom Scheffler are popping off and Brooks is healthy again and looking like Brooks. Yeah, And you just happen to be playing your best golf, but you're not getting anything out of it. And just when you think you're close, you get Wyndham Clark gaining 19 strokes <laughs> on the field in four days. Yeah, that's a that's a kick in the nuts. Yeah. That's a kick in the nuts. Yeah. So let's transition to Memorial because uh, we got a game seven to watch as well. Would you say, uh, does this have a stake for you as the best non-major golf event of the season? Is it in the running? Yeah, I think in the running for me, I love Riviera, just like the golf course. And that one kind of cheating because that's like the, the first big one every year in February. Yeah. Um, Some would say Tory. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Riviera still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but this this one's still good. I mean, you get to shake Jack's hand at the end. Billy Horschel can call him pal and buddy all over again. <laughs> and it's a place where t- Tigers obviously left his mark as well. So it's definitely a good one. So even without like the designated status, it was, it was always a great tournament. So the designated status doesn't really do much for it. It was already fine. Yeah. But yeah, I'd put it up top top three of the of the normal ones. Do we really think the milkshakes are that good? I don't even know. At this point, it seems like everyone's dairy-free on the PGA Tour. Can anyone even have them? <laughs> I do want to go to this event, not just because to to do a litmus test on the milkshakes, but when are they are they sending you to stuff at CBS yet or 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 no? Uh it's uh it's been a long, long discussion. Nothing uh nothing yet though. Much to uh wreck my dis- that. My my dismay. I, yeah. I don't think yeah, I think compliance and legal. They're like, we can't send this guy out there. Um, so <laughs> just got to 
got to get my lawyers involved, I guess. Because <laughs> I was going to say the closest, because are you in DC right now? I'm in Charleston now. I've been uh, almost, there? almost a year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love Charleston. Charleston's fucking phenomenal. So you weren't then, I thought maybe you were thinking live DC was in your, was in your neck of the woods last year. I was going to say that would have, that would have made some sense for you, but yeah, I guess now you got, you got the whole Carolina, you see, they have a Myrtle beach tournament coming to the PGA tour next year. It's like, yeah, let's, let's just ignore Chicago, San Francisco, New York City, Boston, like what the like the the number one place that the PGA tour needs to go is fucking Myrtle Beach. Yeah, honestly, Myrtle Beach wise, I would have to get legal involved there. I don't know if I'm <laughs> I'm allowed to go back there. Uh but yeah, it's like let's have an alternate field event at Myrtle Beach. I don't like that is gonna be such a weird crowd. Like Myrtle Beach is the weirdest town I've ever been to in my life. Did you guys and, have like beach beach week for college there too? Like the, yeah, uh, yeah, we had. Oh man, I, I got I got thrown in the bin my sophomore year. <laughs> Just <laughs> had to spend a night with some pals. It was not it was not fun at all as a twenty year old kid uh, in Myrtle Beach. But maybe maybe I'll go to that one. Maybe that's the one I get sent to. <laughs> Good thing DJ went to live or or he'd he'd be number one top of the odds board for most likely to spend the weekend in, in the drug tank. Yeah. Was... Beach. All right. So Memorial what top of the odds board? It's Rory, uh, it's it's Scheffler, Rom, Cantley, Rory. Xander is the big five from the odds board. Those guys are all between six and 14 Scheffler's six most places roms plus 750 can't like 10 rory and xander 14 god i cannot believe xander is 14 across the board i kind of wanted to bet him at like 20 i cannot believe he's 14 across the board but do any of those top guys interest you uh i think betting wise if i had to I'm not betting any of them. I don't like to bet people who win golf tournaments, but <laughs> if I had to, I think it'd have to be Scheffler just based on what he's doing ball striking wise. It, like I said, it just seems like every week he's going to be in the mix and he has a pretty decent history here. He finished third in 21. I'm interested to see kind of how Ron bounces back from that PGA championship at, you know, of course that has been very kind and yeah. a little mean to him as well. But I th- I think, like, I know winning the Masters is a big deal. You, you you put it at the very top. I think it's the easiest major to win out of well, all of them. I would agree with that because of the field size. Field size, come back to the course every year. Yeah, you got a you bunch have- of jabronis at the bottom. Well, I guess you kind of have that in every major. It's, it's a big four days. Although Michael Block would disagree. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about him. <laughs> Thank God. Um, it's a big four days, but if you take those four days, it's kind of been a weird spring for Rom, right? He had a withdraw from the players with a bug, looked really bad at the match play, and looked really bad at the API too, uh, those second and third rounds, mm-hmm. and then wins the Masters, 
Uh, ball struck the shit out of it at Harbor Town, 61 in Mexico, and then the dud at the PGA. It just like, I agree. He's still, I mean, I have him too, but it's just like, he's kind of a little hard to figure out, I think, John Rom, in a sense. He's much more likely to throw a dud out there than Scotty Scheffler is my main concern. Agreed. That has been the case this season, which is interesting because in the past, he's had years where it's been Scheffler-esque where the floor has been really high. And I, I'm I'm willing to forgive O'Kill. I think it's kind of a heat check performance you know i I, you know probably still coming off the masters a little bit actually did a really good job to show up at harbor town and finish top 20 there too i i'm very curious to see how he responds the rest of the year i'm with you i'm not betting any of these top guys i do feel really good about xander this week i do think that of many of the spots and the golf courses that we've seen this year, this might be the best spot and the best golf course for Xander. Um, I've always thought that he was going to win at Mirfield village, but I think 14 is, is, is asinine. So I'm, I'm skipping down into that, into that 20 range, which, which has the likes of Hovland and Morikawa and Hatton and Day and Justin Thomas all the way down to 30 to one. So of this next tier, who are the guys that have your attention? I think I'm going to get lulled in by Morikawa. I'm, I'm not a Morikawa person like at all. Yeah. But like you think Xander is going to win at this golf course. I know Morikawa won the work day, but it was like super wet that week. So much easier setup, but I mean, you finished third. Right, the can't lay year in a, in the setup that's going to be way more similar to this week. Yeah, so this is a tournament I think Morikawa is going to win in his career, definitely. Um, and outside the ninth hole last week, he played that seven over. The other sixty eight holes, he played seven under. So uh, I don't think there's a lot of concern in his game. I know Mark Immelman kind of talks to him a lot. Apparently, there's like a decent amount of people in his camp on the hot seat. He's not happy with some of those around him at the moment. Really? Uh, I mean, he's just a perfectionist, perfectionist, right? And it's not going well. It's been his last one's DP World Tour Championship. Yeah, the Open. Well, yeah, Euro, if we're counting worldwide, yeah, you're right. He won a DP World Tour in there, but we're talking majors and PGA Tour. It's been the Open, I believe. Yeah, and so we're coming up on two years, which is crazy to talk about when, you know, the next Tiger, right? Down yeah. to 18th in the OWGR, too. That's his lowest since July 2020. That was right before he won at this uh, venue. And I, th- I think it's a great course setup for him. Hit fairways, pepper greens. Hopefully the putter gets going somewhat. And I think for Morikawa, the problem this year, has been he's been missing left off the tee a lot. Mm-hmm. His like accuracy's up and I looked into it. I was like, oh maybe his dispersion's just higher. No, he's like top 10 with average length from fairway. Um 
but he's missing left. And I tracked his round on Saturday. Extremely small sample size again, but he missed four fairways left. All four were bogeys. Hmm. Um, and if you could guess his green and regulation percentage this calendar year from under 150 yards in the rough, what would you guess? Under 150 yards from the rough. Uh, I would guess around 78%. 46%. What? Fifth under percentile. A, under 150 yards? 46%. It's abysmal. Huh. Yeah. That's so shocking to me because I know that he is has remained one of the best iron players this year in the world just overall. So you'd think that if he's gaining that much on approach every single week, you know, he's got to do it sometimes when he's missing the fairways, but it's always, I guess it's always, I went way too high with that one. I always underestimate, cause that's also accounting too. And I saw this at colonial a couple of times, like that's sometimes you got to punch out and stuff like that. And the rough gets hairy. Um, that yeah. Fifth percentile meaning fifth, like, really good or really bad bad okay all right so my guess was a little what's like the best like 65 percent, something like that uh let me look it up this will be some good podcasting too <laughs> um let's see luke donald is 60%. Yeah. Yeah, that's towards the best. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so you're... So I bet on him. <laughs> you bet on, on Morikawa. Uh, so you would say, if we're, if we're rating concern levels, would you say far more concerned about Justin Thomas right now than Morikawa? Big picture. Oh, that's tough. I think we were talking about discipline. I, I think both of them are kind of pushing with the irons. Mm -hmm. Like instead of taking the uh, let's let's go twenty feet middle of the green. Yeah, lean on the putter a little bit. It's let's go ten. Uh, you turn it over a little bit too much. Yeah, I would say my concern level is probably higher with Colin just because JT's around the green game is disgusting. So good. They're yeah. both about, they've both been, they've both had terrible putting seasons and JT's irons this year have been his worst iron season in quite some time. I mean, Morikawa's iron play has been a lot better than Justin Thomas's this year, particularly the long irons have really fallen off for him. This is a guy that used to be a top 10 top three even long iron player in the world he's not close to that right now but i think once you get into and i think this is a good golf course for him i think once you get into the 30 zone i haven't made the bet yet but this is one i could see this is like a get right spot it's the type of event that justin thomas wins at kind of the type of golf i mean firestone yeah he's had a lot of southern hills like this is southern hills is similar in the sense that like 
wider fairways off the tee, but a bigger penalty for missing. Firestone, it's a very similar agronomy, Ohio, um, longer, so long par fours, long irons. So I think this is like a really good spot for Justin Thomas. I just, I think he's getting the the number drop that some of these guys, you know, I, I thought. What's he at, 30? Like, he's at 30. Well, I guess like speed, where are you at on speed at 40? He's at 40? Yeah. Oh my he's, God. He literally, and I don't like. Scientists I bet on him will, last week. <laughs> me too. Scientists will study this for a year, but he was the best driver of the ball at Oak Hill. Jordan Spieth. I know. it. I don't know. what to th- I didn't know he was 40. I might honestly, I'm, I might pick up what you're throwing down. Go with, with the, Spieth 40. I'm not even throwing that down. I'm just the tag this. team. <laughs> the American duo. I'd JT. rather bet. I'll tell you, I'd rather bet JT at 30 than Spieth at 40. I would too. Yeah. Um, but you might have to go both. Honestly, it could be a spring break week. Yeah. Ricky's around 42, right? Ricky is Ricky's popular. People are people are kind of in on Ricky this week. Ricky's 40, 35, 45. What so Give me, give me one or two more names that you have interest in before we, and then we'll get, we'll get your game seven thoughts. Russell Henley. Okay. Siwoo Kim. Like that. Dog. I think, I think Siwoo's, I did, I looked up his history today. I had no idea it was this good. Yeah. Siwoo's been good here. Yeah. Three straight top twenties. And he, I mean, he was just in content. I bet on him at the Byron Nelson, that one. Came up short. That's kind of been the story of the year. I think I've hit like two outrights. I did hit Harold Varner the third last week. Not a big deal. Hell yeah. Um, do you guys do live content on cbssports.com? Just like a preview. Do get you write the, it? Get the SEO numbers. Do yeah. you write it? How, uh, just relatively speaking, how many people do people... What is the percentage of people that read it compared to the stuff you write on the PGA tour. Is it close or really far? It's worthwhile to do. I will say that worth it, meaning it's worth doing the preview. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Betting yeah. folk, betting focus preview. No, it, it's really simple. It's just like little info on like guys who are playing well. Here are the team standings. Here's how you can watch it. Uh, go have fun. Man, I bet you there are some really good, it, to be honest with you, it feels like most people that bet live on a regular basis aren't like cleaning up. <laughs> like like everybody I see that has, like you definitely get some guys hitting winners, but I feel like most people that are betting live consistently have been like frustrated with how unpredictable it is. I really wish they had strokes gain, man. And I wonder yeah. how long it takes them to figure that one out. I feel like they've, you know, they've spent money on way dumber things. I just, I don't know if it's a, I don't think it's like a logistics thing because you can map out these courses pretty easily with shot link. I don't know if they're getting blocked by, um, I don't know if they're getting blocked by like the tours relationship with shot link on this. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. 
who knows if they even care about that. They should care. I, I know, but I, I have a ton of questions about Live. They had there's like one of those satirical accounts. Um, yeah, who was tweeting out that he was talking to his Goldman Sachs friend, and <laughs> Brooks's team is now valued at two billion dollars. <laughs> there were websites that picked up that story. I know. Which is, I'm just, this is audio only, but I wish people could see your face right now. <laughs> it was, it was golf magic, which I see around on a lot of stuff. They're really liberal with what they pick up, but I was shocked that that got picked up by, by websites. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's true. Which is like, fuck, two bills. I just think with, um, I think if your whole thing, and we'll get out on this, like, but I think if your whole thing is we are going to get younger, we are going to be more fun, our fan experience is going to be awesome, we're going to have music going, like, if that's the demographic that you're going to, I think that they should be leaning really, really hard into the gambler and the DraftKings player because gambling, sports gambling is booming. It's the fastest growing. It's one of the fastest growing industries in the world. It's only going to get more legal in more states. And this is what, because I've spoken to the TGL people, and this is this is the mindset the TGL people have. They're like, we're going to, you're going to be able to bet on everything. You're going to bet on things per every second. And that's why I, I'm curious as why live ha- like even, you know, with graphics and stuff, if I was in charge of their social media, I'd be putting out like betting odds and stuff like that. And their graphics and leaning fully into gambling, because I think you're probably I do think you probably are getting now a lot of the people that watch live and go to live are kind of like aggrieved, like counterculture, like fuck society people. But I do think a lot of them are like, (laughs) Uh, I do think a lot of them definitely also overlap in the same Venn diagram of throwing down money on, on bets. So that's yeah. a cure. And, and I think Shotlink would only enhance that because Shotlink, then you reel in the data boys. Yeah. I don't, dude, I have so many, I just have so many questions about them. Well, Damon well, Hack. Different podcasts, yeah. yeah. Damon Hack was on like Golf Channel Day saying he's, he's got sources saying, you know, people are running around, maybe only five years left. And then SI has an article yesterday. Well, I didn't read it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. There's yeah. There's more to that story with SI, but who fucking knows? Um, size golf magic. All right. All right. Real quick. Who wins tonight? Hemi, Hemi Butler. He adds another page to his legacy. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not watch the NBA at all. Um, (laughs) But I'm I'm gonna go with playoff Jimmy plus seven and a half. I was gonna say like eight point underdog, which I thought was a lot. I'm are you a, are you a Celtics boy because of Tatum? I'm no, I'm a I'm a Knicks boy. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I don't, I don't know who you're rooting for. Yeah. I, well, I I'm rooting for the Heat because I think it it validates the Knicks uh, season a little bit more if the Heat actually make the finals. But I think that I I like the Celtics in Game Seven. Yeah. Do you see like how many people bet on the Heat to win the series after they were up three zero? Like an astonishing amount of people. You know what? I see that and I see things like 90% of the people on Michael Block bet him to make the cut. And I <laughs> I see things like that and I'm just like, this is why Las Vegas exists. This is yeah. this is truly unbelievable to me. What was it? Minus a thousand when they were up three oh? Yeah, I think it's minus 1100. Minus 1100. Um, All right. Anyway, let's get out of here so we can watch the finals. Patrick, where can everybody find you this week? What you you got going on on CBS and First Cut? Yeah, First Cut. I'm on Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, I think this week. Uh, You can find my work at CBSSports.com. I'm on Twitter at Amateur Status. And I've got a newsletter. Uh, status update every week. It's pretty much everything that hits the uh, cutting room floor that doesn't make the big website. So love that. Got to put it somewhere. Love that. All right, Patrick. We will. Uh, we'll do this again soon, my friend. Uh, thanks for joining me, buddy. Yeah, pleasure as always. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to RickRenGood.com. Special thanks to Patrick McDonald. We will be back on this podcast feed next week for the Canadian Open. Until then, best of luck with your bets, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where a mobile steel rims crack And the ditch in the back road stop Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.